0: When Donald Trump was a private businessman in New York, he got $800 million in tax breaks and subsidies to build luxury housing. That's called corporate socialism. What democratic socialism is about is saying, let's use the federal government to protect the interests of working families. Okay, that argument is half a dozen different kinds of horse crap.
1: Starting with the fact that to say all right, you don't have to pay a tax because this is going to create so many jobs, so much housing, that sort of thing, the government is going to keep its hands off you because it's for the good of society. To say that's equivalent to affirmatively giving something from somebody else to them, it's like that bizarre Orwellian term, spending in the tax code. Meaning lowering taxes—that is a ridiculous argument from Bernie. But I'm sorry, I, I let it go yesterday because we were talking about something else. I couldn't let it go two days in a row.
2: So, and I think I think Bernie's going to win. And he's uh, been a democratic socialist his whole life.
1: He's not even a Democrat.
2: And uh, so we're going to have a national conversation about whatever that means in the history of socialism. People have called them democratic themselves, democratic socialists who. Ended up just being socialists or communists and that sort of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, uh, we received a couple of notes and I would like to receive more from folks who actually lived under socialist regimes or democratic socialist regimes. I mean, because there's the dictatorial sort of socialism of, of Venezuela and Cuba and, and the Soviet Union and, and socialism is just, it's, it's a step on the way to communism. Marx and Engels and Lenin talked about that all the time, but, um, there is the Democratic part where you still get to vote the leaders in and out, but the government has enormous control. And so folks uh, who've lived under that sort of system are weighing in, and you can do the same at uh, mailbag at com, Mailbag at com. But we got this note from Ann and Andy Anonymous. Uh, they didn't ask to be anonymous, and they probably don't care, but I don't. it's just a habit these days, because everybody's doxing each other and trying to screw each other. I don't know why. But so, uh, all this uh, Bernie is going to be the nominee talk is instilling me with a sense of dread and panic. I literally physically feel the anxiety weighing in my chest. We fled socialist France, where my husband ran small and medium-sized businesses for 30-plus years. So we are intimately aware of the ruinous nature of socialism, or democratic socialism, if you like, for the pedantic crowd. And if Bernie manages to get into office, and especially if, God forbid, they flip the Senate entirely possible, if they get enough of those doe-eyed college kids out to the polls, I believe he could actually be the ruin of America. Um, And then says, you guys aren't doing shower thoughts anymore. I humbly submit terrifying thoughts, or scary socialist S. (laughs) Okay, the name needs work. But here are some factoids, some fun facts from socialist light France, as opposed to the scary full-on socialist Cuba that Chris Matthews is worried about. Uh, that free healthcare everybody likes to talk about, that's only if you're an employee. As a small business owner, we had to pay $3,000 per month for our own family's health insurance. But we did have the pleasure of also paying heavy fees for our employees' healthcare. And everyone still pays a copay to the doctor when you actually need healthcare. Uh, that is a beautiful example. It's kind of the reverse of what Bernie was talking about. You are being punished for creating jobs. It's, it's the kind of advanced, you see this a lot in your progressive enclaves, Seattle, San Francisco, Portland, that if you dare to actually provide housing or employ people, you're a bad person, you're an exploiter, and you will be reined in by the government. Can you imagine that? Uh, Bernie's plan, by the way, says nobody will pay any co-pays or anything like that, which is, no, there is no system on earth that does that. That would be more expensive than any human could comprehend. But moving along. All those higher taxes you get to pay, the French government doesn't waste time sending collectors to your door if you dispute a tax bill or are paying late, etc. They just pull the money directly from your bank account with no warning. And then you have to fight to get it back. That's right, in socialist systems, it's the government's money unless you convince them that you should have it. This is especially fun because they add an average of three pages of tax code per day. There's, all, there's an ever-growing need for more taxes to fill the gap making it impossible for the 32-hour-a-week tax inspectors to keep up with the code, so they are literally just guessing at what you owe. That is directly from the lips of a French tax inspector at a mutual friend's birthday party, laughing heartily, as he explained, and also evidenced by tax bills, which we fought and won, which were routinely off by as much as tens of thousands of dollars. Now, this, this is the key aspect of socialism to me, and anybody who understands human nature at all understands that Socialist systems remove the incentive to work harder or innovate, and they remove the disincentives to not work harder. And and she goes on to describe, surprise, surprise, there's little incentive to work. You'll regularly run into people who openly brag about cheating the system. We were eating at a restaurant we frequented, had never seen our waiter before, really charming young man who seemed really positive and hardworking. So we asked if he was new, and he said very matter-of-factly with a big smile, Oh, no, I work here every summer for three months so that I can collect unemployment and ski all winter.
0: (laughs) Oh, awesome.
1: They weren't even really bragging or admitting to gaming the system. They just see it as a totally normal thing to do. Sure. Why wouldn't you cheat the system? Right. And a great example, kind of a follow-up of that point. They believe unemployment is their human right, because they've been told that over and over again. One month in the early 2010s, there was a sizable, inexplicable dip in unemployment. They finally traced it to a cellular network outage in Thailand. Now, follow this if you can. Because to collect unemployment, all you have to do is send a text message confirming that you are still, quote, looking for work. So it's a well-known secret that loads of French people go on unemployment, bugger off to Thailand or Morocco, where the cost of living is cheap, and they just perpetually live off their unemployment. So when Thailand's network went down, they couldn't text in. And that affected the government unemployment figures, and they dropped suddenly. To my knowledge, there is this in no way affected their ability to continue this scheme. The error was corrected, and they went back to lying on Thai beaches collecting French unemployment, thanks to the suckers who are actually still working. And then uh, Ann says, pretty sure I can keep coming up with these gems about life and friends all the way to November if you want them.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a, a generational break, I think. Uh, I keep quoting Chris Matthews on MSNBC because he's kind of an outspoken uh, Bernie skeptic on the channel that you know is most likely to booster whoever the Democratic nominee is. And he's the one who said, I want to know what kind of socialist Bernie is. Uh, because he remembers the war uh, against socialism and communism in the world and that. But he mentioned the other day on the, whole, the, the the hundreds of millions who died. He mentioned the the other day he was talking about the whole health thing. He said you, you we used to have a country where you had to get a real job if you wanted health care. And now we're, are we going to move toward, you know, you can do anything you want. And I thought that's a generational break. Right. That That's me and people older than me. My dad told me when I was young, he said, you got to get a job that's got insurance you just always have to have insurance otherwise you step off the curb you break your ankle you go bankrupt mm-hmm. so i did that's why i worked at ups the only reason i worked at ups was to get health insurance mm-hmm. i had a couple other jobs but they didn't have health insurance it, it it forced me to make certain decisions now some of you think like chris matthews seem to think that's good it forced people to get real jobs but the maybe you think and the younger crowd thinks no that's terrible Forcing you to make certain decisions You can't be a guitar player or an artist or a poet Or any of these other things That don't have insurance attached to them So, and then also That's unfair, it's mean You know, and I don't know should To to what extent insurance should be attached to Having a real job, using my finger quotes I don't know And then the generational break on um, You see, Bernie got 70% of the young vote The other day in Nevada Mm -hmm. I mean, he just dominates the young vote um, there's the break in people that socialism was ever a threat. I had family members who fought against socialism in wars. Hansen's dad did. Mm-hmm. But the younger generation, they don't know anybody who's fought in a war against socialism.
1: Well, socialism might be, in terms of politics, the greatest snake oil that's ever been correct uh, uh, created. Because it sounds so good but it leaves out a couple of critical truths about humanity and that is i mean your story about the ups job it's a good example of you are productive and and you know innovative creative uh, you know whatever you want to use to describe somebody who goes and gets it because you had to be if you remove the dis- the necessity to create to work to strive people will not create work and strive it's just, it's humanity. There, there are some great quotes from John Stuart Mill about socialism ignores the, the natural indolence of man. People only work and innovate because they have to. And and the problem is, and this is a fatal problem, that you launch these enormous, quote-unquote, generous schemes, uh, like Bernie's talking about, the many, many trillions of dollars, and they don't even work mathematically if you preserve our current level of productivity, which is world-beating. Can you imagine? imagine? Imagine if our productivity fell by 20, 25, 30 percent because people didn't need to strive. And, and, as I said before, not only have you removed the incentives to strive, strive, you've removed the disincentives not to strive. So the hardworking are punished and the lazy are rewarded. So you'll see a massive drop in our productivity as a nation. Witness France, Britain. You should really... Listen to our podcast about socialism. That's one of the,
2: most of the podcasts I'm ashamed of. It's just, it's just the ramblings of, uh, children. And it's just, it's just, it's inane banter. But, but this one. If I hear something I disagree with, I'll pipe <laughs> up. Go on. Go on. But the one on socialism with us and Craig and Tim the lawyer, and we all read the book and then had a serious discussion about it, uh, it, it's pretty good. Moravchek's Heaven on Earth. Fabulous book. And so, uh, you find that podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. It, the name of it is. Marx was a piece of s. Is that what Lenin it's was a piece of s? Lenin I was a piece of s. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's a. I would have probably come up with a better title if I'd have known it was going to live on in infamy uh, the way it has. No, I think it fits. Uh, but I want to get to this coming back. B- Biden and I don't want to, you know, get stuck on the politics of. But this is kind of a fun story. Biden may have told a whopper of a lie, and we're trying to figure that out.
1: Oh, yeah. I think I know what
2: you're talking about. Yeah, Yeah, this isn't a policy thing. This is a did a crazy old man Biden say something funny thing. (sighs)
1: So
2: we'll have that coming back.
0: Armstrong and Getty.
1: Talk 650 KSTE.
0: The Armstrong and Getty Show. This day, 30 years ago, Nelson Mandela walked out of prison and entered into discussions about apartheid. I had the great honor of meeting him. I had the great honor of being arrested with our UN ambassador on the streets of Soweto trying to get to see him on robbins island i came back from south africa trying to see nelson mandela and getting arrested for trying to see him on robbins island he he was in prison
2: but tonight the new york times reviewed all available records and can't find any evidence of that arrest actually happening man this is not a good look for biden Because remember, first, he falsely claimed he marched in the civil rights movement. Now he's making up a story about getting arrested in apartheid South Africa? It's weird. The guy's trying so hard to impress black voters that next he's gonna be like, I was there when T'Challa did the trial by combat. I looked Kilmonga in the face and I told him, cut the malarkey, corn pop. <laughs> That's a Black Panther reference, but <laughs> cut the malarkey corn pop. Oh, wow. but so, well, Corn
0: pop was a bad dude. All right. This,
2: this This might be significant if this gets nailed down. So he's claiming he got arrested on the streets of South Africa in support of Nelson Mandela. His memoir doesn't mention it. Biden's? Biden's own memoir doesn't mention it. The New York Times, as you just heard on the NOAA thing, the New York Times dug into it and can't come up with that. A sitting U.S. senator got arrested in South Africa, didn't make an article in the New York Times, doesn't make his own memoir, and they talked to other people that were on that flight, and they have no memory of it.
1: All right. Well, but, other, than that, <laughs>
2: other I have, than that,
1: I have a uh, have. Uh, 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 two to three points I would like to make. Number one, the other day Biden claimed his son was the Attorney General of the United States. He said that specifically he was the Attorney General of Delaware, which is a fine gig, but well, that was, a, that was he's,
2: a misspeak of an old man, right? Yeah,
1: he's he's, he's a very old man. I apologize for that. Uh, <laughs> this, the second point I would like to make is that uh, what are we going to do next? Discuss the Nixon administration, how it needs to end. Joe Biden's over. He's done. He's dead. He's dead in the water.
2: Well, he's in first place in uh, South Carolina. Is currently.
1: he? Is he? Well, as you pointed out, in that poll where he's barely ahead, half the poll was taken before the debate. And half after, and in the one after, he's what, tied? Tied said? with Bernie. He, yeah. And that was before so. Bernie trounced him in Nevada. Right, and, and started to uh, to uh, gain the the rosy scent of the front runner. So
2: you're making your point that yes. if we if we catch Amy Klobuchar in a lie, it's not really going <laughs> to upset the course of history.
1: No, I um, think old Joe is, is done. But
2: how would you end up, apparently he said it three times. Tucker had three clips of it, so he's done it at three different How would you just all of a sudden start claiming you were arrested in South
1: Africa? I think it's Brian Williams' disease. He's not the kind of guy that would think I can pull this off. I suspect there is a grain of truth to it that the authorities briefly said, hold on. Hey, hold on here. Wait a minute. You all stand right there. And it was a little nerve wracking. And then finally they said, "Okay, you can go. And the story just, he had to add to it through the years. Keeping in mind that this is, what, 40 years ago he's talking not about?
2: Not nerve-wracking enough to make his own memoir, though.
1: Apparently not. Like I say, the story has blossomed through the years. Oof. There are bodies floating by our hotel. Do we I announced. became very sick with dysentery. Do and- we
2: all do this? Do I have stories that are that completely different than what actually happened? And
1: well, I don't know Most it. likely. Yeah, almost certainly. But that rounds coming sin? into the airframe. That's right, Brian. That had to be terrifying <laughs> if it had happened. But, Jack, what's the greater sin? A little embellishment around the edges or, or telling boring stories? Well, I'm a, I'm a full believer <laughs> of don't
2: let the facts get in the way of a good story. Okay. I, if it's just a story, who cares? Right. But for my own, if I know that, that's fine. Right. I don't care if I know that. If then I, you're a liar. If I embellish the story and everybody's uh, laughing, right. who cares? Right. I know. Right. And it's, it's it's always a story that's inconsequential, right? Sure. I didn't eat five pies. I ate two or whatever. Who, right. who cares? It doesn't make any difference. Yeah. But if there are things I actually believe that didn't happen, that would trouble me. Like serious things. Biden's a, a long time yeah. a known plagiarist. He's just taken someone else's story. This is what bit him in the 88 campaign, Yeah, the old
1: plagiarism.
2: Hey, Esther! (laughs) Wow, that
1: is wild. Esther was, of course, Mandela's housekeeper. But it goes back to (laughs) kind of the the philosophy (laughs) of whom I had a brief affair and got arrested again for it.
2: (laughs) Most memories aren't your memory of the original (laughs) event. They're a a memory of the last time you talked about that event. Can it go from uh, somebody checked your papers to you were arrested? Yes. Seeing that he's probably been telling that story for decades, it's the compounding interest of being off by an inch every
1: time you tell the story. I can see how it gets there. Well put. Plus, you add in a specific and powerful self-interest in embellishing the story to win the black vote. Yeah, it morphs.
2: I think he's going to get killed on this leading up to Saturday.
1: He's going to get killed by time soon, (laughs) Jack. So I...
2: He's wow. very old. Wow.
1: I just for wow. a presidential candidate. I'm not wow. rooting for him. am just wow. saying. But I'm
0: going to wrap this The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: Today, Kobe gave my respectless. was...
2: The guys were complaining. I said, Shaq, Kobe's not passing the ball. I said, I'll talk to him. I said, Kobe, there's no iron team. And Kobe said, I know, but there's an ME in that mother <laughs> <laughs> So I went back and told Rick and, uh, and Big Shot Bob, I said, just get the rebound. He's not passing. <laughs> just know that we got your back, little brother. I'll look after things down here. I'll be sure to teach Natalia, Bianca, and Baby Capri all your moves. And I promise I will not teach them my free throw techniques. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal at the Kobe Bryant Memorial yesterday in Los Angeles that was uh, star-studded and emotional.
1: Yeah, I was, uh, I was somewhat surprised, I guess, to see Michael Jordan just broken up. I mean, he was just... He gave a really beautiful speech about the guy and just crying all the way through it. But uh, real love. Real love for the man. So... It's a tragedy. What are you going to say? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you feel free to swear at my funeral, if you'd like. <laughs> I would, if I was there. I Noted. like
2: the assumption that I outlive you.
1: Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? I don't even like to talk about these things. I'm not superstitious, but there's a certain... It's like uh, talking about, boy, traffic's great today, honey. I just... Uh, I'm not superstitious, but I start getting uncomfortable. Really? My wife's big on that,
2: and I always, you know, anything like that. Like, if I'll say, wow, I, th- I think we'd drive all the way up here without hitting traffic. Why did you say that? <laughs> and I said, I guess I have no control over the traffic. My, my right. thoughts or yeah. wants have yeah. zero control over this. Yeah. Right.
1: I find that field of psychology so interesting. And when I do it myself, I, I like to think about it and uh-huh. think about what I'm doing and uh, what the hell is the matter with me. But uh, So listen, we were talking about the very, uh, Yes? Two things I feel like we should hit on quickly. The coronavirus. Yes. The stock market
2: drop. Mm-hmm. I felt like the, 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 news coverage was really overblown and overhyped, but you think it's, uh, legit? Uh,
1: yeah, I do. I do. Uh, just because it has such potential to, uh, to upset global supply chains mm-hmm. if it spreads. It will be temporary. Um, remember, the stock market is is betting. It's betting on on especially the short and medium term, which way it's going to go. So it's not all sincere sentiment that the world's going to get screwed up and we're all going to die. It's just a bet on which direction it's heading. We're and all a lot of people die. A lot of people are betting downward right now. So it will turn around and it will be fine like it always is. But, yeah, it's a significant uh, fear. The explosion of cases in South Korea and in Italy in particular are pretty concerning. Uh Judy and I are going to be in Europe this uh summer, I guess. Uh use yeah. summer in Europe. Uh, <laughs> using summer as a verb. That's hilarious. Can you can I use lunch as a verb next? Um and I'm a little concerned that it, it I hope it burns itself out before we get there. Um, but I'm not very concerned you might because the flu somewhere kills somewhere else. tens of thousands. Would you stop that? As a member of the
2: investor class,
1: I will just simply share
2: the mantra that I uh, routinely tell myself on any days that there are dips, and that's uh, stocks go down quicker than they
1: go up, but they go up more than there they go down. There you go. Optimism! That's, some, that's some, uh, right, wisdom there. Youthful wisdom from young Sean.
2: And the other thing worth mentioning, there is a debate tonight. I don't know why God is punishing us, but there is a debate tonight. I'm just hoping for more beatings, more verbal beatings. It's got to be pointed towards Sanders, though. If it's not, I don't know what they're doing.
1: No, I don't either.
2: Just as a sport, I don't know why you wouldn't make him the the only thing you talk about. They ask you about your childhood, and you turn it into an attack on Bernie. Because what are you waiting for?
1: Here it is. Here's your metaphor, Jack. It's the Olympic Games... Let's say it's the, uh, the steeplechase. I always enjoy the steeplechase. It's not just people running. They got to jump over stuff. And so water. I catch that steeple. old so, man. Anyway, uh, so imagine the, uh, the, the lead guy, the, the, the guy who's leading a race is way out in front of you and you know he's going to get the gold medal. But part of the Olympics, the Joe Olympics in this metaphor is the gold medal winner gives stuff to the silver, bronze, and also Rands. Like really, really good stuff. Once you decide, I'm not winning this race, are you really going to chuck stuff at him to try to trip him up and get him to fall face first into the water hazard? Or are you going to be nice to him and think, you know, maybe I get stuff? Yeah, good point. Yeah, so remember, it's politics. That's so. a
2: good point. I want to be in the
1: cabinet. Yeah, exactly. There you go. So uh, enough about very old people, because that's mostly who's running for president right now. Let's talk about the young positive, Sean. Where'd you come across this? It's from the center from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, a reporter that I follow on Twitter yeah, tweeted out right. the graphic. It's from the CDC, but it's youth behavior trends in the United States, and it has to do with Have you ever drank alcohol, uh, smoked cigarettes, watched TV for hours a day, had sexual intercourse, uh, used marijuana, played video all games, in one day, or used a computer too? That's a big day. Uh, used a computer or video games for two to three hours a day. What's really striking about this to me is that the ever drank alcohol number, these are kids 14, 15 years old, ninth graders, okay? They should not be drinking. Uh, that Back in the early 90s, it was over 70% said yes. Now it's like 47, 48%, from 72 to 48% who have so ever drank alcohol.
2: Almost three quarters of ninth graders had, had a drink yeah. back in the
1: 90s. Yep. Huh. Huge drop. Uh, ever tried cigarette smoking? It peaked in the late 90s for some reason. Maybe cool movies starring a Ro- young Robert Downey Jr. smoking. Um, it peaked at uh, about 68%. And now it's down to twenty uh, 30% from... St- these numbers are tiny. From 68 to 30%. Huge drop in ninth-graders smoking cigarettes.
2: And that's ever-tried it, or like... Ever-tried. Wow. Because uh, of the ever-tried, there'd be a ton of, and I'll never try it again.
1: Right. Right. Now, there's the question of kids vaping, like douches. Um... <laughs> Uh, and and that is, uh, although that's a different beast. It's not as dangerous as long as you're doing vaping and playing their TikTok. Right, exactly. So that's dropped a, a great deal. Watching television two to three hours a day has dropped from fifty uh, percent to looks to be like twenty percent. Uh, ever used marijuana? Rose steeply through the nineties. Interestingly enough, I blame Snoop. Uh, ninety-seven uh, uh, In 1997, it peaked at about 39% and fell, rose a little and fell a little bit. It's now above like 34%. So, again, a peak of 38 down to 34. Not a huge drop, but at least it's come down. And that surprises me a bit, um, although these numbers are a couple of years out of date and there's been a lot of legalization. The one thing that's gone up is played video games or used a computer two to three hours a day, and that has jumped way up. From a low of twenty four percent a decade and a half ago, to now it's forty five percent. From twenty four to forty
2: five. Well, I hardly ever used uh, played computer games when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, well, obviously. they were non existent. Yeah, they only started asking in oh three. Uh, that is going to take the place of a lot of the TV uh, watching, and I think it's more or less a, a swap. What's interesting to me, and I think you know, if I had an overarching analysis of this, it's that. Well, if you boredom, just
2: glance, if you just glance at the graph, all the numbers are. Plummeting, right? Except for playing video games, yeah. And and, and you know that's not a, playing video games ain't going to get you a kid or uh, in a horrifying car wreck or correct. cancer. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I I would point this out that it's it's and it was clear to me at the time that a lot of drinking, smoking, not the sex, the sex I was going to say a lot of the stuffs the product of boredom. And now there is much less boredom because the screen are be so the, entertaining. I
2: can be doing the most interesting thing in the world, and I'll still interrupt it for sex. Right. So it, it's indeed. not a boredom thing.
1: Yeah, although kids these days, with all the hormones in the water and the video games, they, they don't couple up. It's weird. Um, <laughs> as I've said many times, if, if this happened among the antelopes of Africa, every naturalist and, and biologist in the world would be there trying to figure out what's going on. But it's happening with human beings. But so it, it just the video game thing or the computer thing, screens, etc., has removed boredom. Now, I'd like to go further in this because I believe boredom is one of the great blessings that's ever been bestowed upon human beings. We have a big, giant brain, some of us, um, that needs to be occupied doing something. And in the pre-screen generation, it would be... That 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 lust for doing something would be satisfied by those three or four really unwise and bad things we were talking about, but also a lot of good things relating to each other, inventing, you know, being creative, getting a job, working, etc. It's just it'll be interesting to see this play out. Who knows? I'm it's not uh, going to be the bitter old guy and say just because it's new, it's bad. I, I, would, I was looking at this graph, though, and I was just
2: <clears throat> thinking about how you, you can't predict where things are going to go. If you'd ask me in the early 90s if. For ninth graders, having sex, drinking, smoking marijuana, and watching TV were all going to plummet in the next couple of decades. I just said, no, there's no way. But I said the opposite. Even if one of them happened, I can't imagine why it would be. It certainly wouldn't be all of them. They've all plummeted. Yeah. That's amazing.
1: Yes, it is. And in an incredibly short time, I was reminded the other day we're uh, reading or rereading the fabulous book by Sebastian Younger, Tribe, for our uh, extra large podcast book review thing with. uh, Craig, the Obamacare lawyer and Tim the lawyer. Um,
2: you, oh. me, Tim the lawyer, Craig and uh, Elizabeth Warren.
1: That's right. And, uh, we'll be talk- talking about <laughs> tribes. <laughs> uh, we'll be, I think, recording it Thursday. But anyway, anywho, I was reminded that according to, you know, genetic scientists, they think it takes about 25,000 years for human beings to change genetically in a specific way to adapt to an agricultural diet as opposed to a hunter-gatherer diet, that sort of thing. It takes tens of thousands of years.
2: And we all changed from eating at home to
1: eating out in like a decade. Right, right, yeah. And then you see these other sociological changes that are are damn significant and have really altered behavior in the blink of, less than the blink of an eye in terms of, you know, your anthropological timeline. It's nothing. Um, and it's just we're an odd beast, human beings. There is no other beast. Dogs start meowing in the course of five years, <laughs> and and start letting squirrels chase them. I mean, it, it would be mind blowing. Talking would ne- horses. That would n- Mr. Never, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> he was horse-faced a genetic... lesbians. <laughs> right. What? Right. Well, you get enough of crossbreeding between Mr. Ed and you know athletic women, you might end up. <laughs> what? I just. I'm just. I'm not a geneticist. You're I don't not. Know, I don't know how that works. I'm just spitballing. Come on. But to see this sort of change as fast as it's happened, man, it's head spinning. Where does it end? Nobody knows. <laughs> you could play
0: that, Liz Warren. Clip again. Oh my
2: God, that is funny.
0: Horse-faced lesbians. Yeah.
2: Well, is she going to drop one of those tonight at the debate? I don't know. Who knows? Or, or, or I don't know. Pug-faced gay guys, or I don't know. What Socialist point. old coot. Ooh, yeah, that'd there be you good go. On the old SOC. We will have the highlights tomorrow, no doubt about that.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This uh, weekend, it was announced that McDonald's is selling candles that will make your home smell like their food. Uh, This replaces the old way of making your house smell like McDonald's—getting divorced. (laughs) Oh
1: boy! He's got a style. (laughs) That's a good joke. (laughs) Oh boy!
2: Oh, it is uh, Mardi Gras week. It's Fat Tuesday. I don't know what any of that means. Every Tuesday
1: is Fat Tuesday.
2: I don't know what any of that means. The the one giant festival thingy that I could have done back when I drank that I didn't do is New Orleans Laissez Mardi Gras. Le bon temps rouler. Let the good times roll. Oh, okay, yeah, thank right you very then. much. Will do. So it's Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras beads. I do. Uh, I'm aware of women that. Uh, <sighs> okay, Charles. I'm aware of women that got beads at Mardi Gras. We're very proud of it. Estimated T- amount of lead in the beads in pounds: four thousand. Okay, pounds of don't beads. Lick Pounds of beads thrown each year. 25 million pounds of beads. <laughs> is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. 4,000 <laughs> pounds of it led. And then 93,000 pounds of beads were removed from the drains on the parade route in 2018. Wow. After years of buildup, they had dang near 100,000 pounds of beads <laughs> down in the drain. I'll be darned. Well, there you go. I'm sure there are outlaw beads at some point, and you'll toss carbon credits at women and they'll show you their boobs or something <laughs> thanks for the credits um we should play this just because this is an ad running in South Carolina there is a debate tonight the primary is saturday not fat tuesday but super tuesday is one week from today in which uh, california and texas and a whole bunch of other states do their voting so i mean it's it's happening fast but anyway Biden, who is in a bit of a, uh, if he wins, he has no chance. But if he doesn't win South Carolina, he's mm-hmm. got to pack it up and go home just to, to, to keep any dignity whatsoever. He's not in a free fall, but he is in a tumble. Is currently running this ad against Bernie. Back in Washington,
0: there was one guy with another plan. I think it would be a good idea if... Uh, President Obama faced some primary opposition. Bernie Sanders was seriously thinking about challenging our first African-American president in a primary. The Atlantic
1: reports that Bernie Sanders told fellow senators he'd take on Obama. So there
2: you go. Story came out over the weekend in the Atlantic that Bernie seriously was trying to uh, thinking about primarying Obama and Harry Reid talked him out of it. Um, Bernie denies that. I don't know. There's an awful lot of people quoted and it's the Atlantic. They're not exactly uh, full of crap. So I think it probably he was probably considering it. But the notable part to me <laughs> is Biden going with the challenge the first African-American president, which is clearly an attempt to make Bernie seem like a racist.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. The reason Bernie or, or, wanted or, to challenge him yeah. is because he's black. Or at the very least, connect those dots for the black folks in South Carolina. Can you imagine this guy trying to take out the first black president that is from free. his own party? Can you, I just can't even believe That's it. pretty weak. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty weak. Uh, speaking of old man Bernie and socialism, do us a favor. Would you uh, join in? If you've ever lived under a socialist government, democratic socialist government, uh, join uh, Ann and Al Anonymous, who wrote us a great email with all sorts of examples of uh, how that system perverts people's lives and, and businesses' lives and the rest in France. Uh, whatever country you've lived under, feel free. Uh, maybe it will be the horrifying wait times for uh, cancer treatment in Great Britain or Canada or whatever Whatever you've personally witnessed. Mailbag at com, and we will make that a regular uh, feature of the show going forward. Mailbag at com.
2: Did we come up with Bernie doubling down on the uh, Castro last night at the town hall? Once again, going with the Castro came into power which a lot of people have a problem with that language, came into power. Yeah. Got elected, right? Um, (laughs) Hold on for a second. There you go. I hope I don't have the coronavirus. Anyway, Bernie, continuing to say, as he said on 60 Minutes, raising a lot of eyes, that, uh, you
0: know, Castro came into power and he helped with the whole literacy program. They're attacking your comment as absolutely unacceptable, singing the praises of a murderous tyrant. Response. The response was when Fidel Castro first came to power, which was when? 59? Is that sound right? 5960. Okay. You know what he did? He initiated a major literacy program. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of folks in Cuba at that point who were literate. And he formed the literacy brigade. You may read that. They went out and they helped people learn to read and write. You know what? I think teaching people to read and write is a good thing. I
2: can't believe he's I have going been with us.
0: extremely consistent and critical of all authoritarian regimes all over the world, including Cuba, including Nicaragua, including Saudi Arabia, including China, including Russia. I happen to believe in democracy, not authoritarianism.
1: Yeah, I've, I have a follow-up question for you, Bernie. Virtually every industrialized nation on earth in the Western world has had a literacy program, a massive literacy program, public schools, hundreds of millions of people being educated, tremendous amounts of money being spent on it. Why would you single out
0: Cuba's for praise? Well, he's, well, he's he likes their system. Well, he also praised China as well. China is an authoritarian country, becoming more and more authoritarian. But can anyone deny? I mean, the facts are clear that they have taken more people out of extreme poverty than any country in history
2: but what's the point of that what is the difference between that and saying charles manson had excellent handwriting right are you telling me you're against excellent handwriting i mean i i don't even see the flaw in my comparison there
1: no why would you single out china and cuba for praise for the few things they did well Amidst the horrors they perpetrated, and his thing about China there—well, they have you know a, a pretty good chunk of the people on Earth. So yeah, among individual countries, they've had more people come out of extreme poverty well, and only because of their embrace of market economics. Well, and
2: all of the Western world uh, let them get away with murder economically to lift them out of poverty because we thought it was a good idea. It turned out it might not have been, but well, anyway, yeah. the whole literacy thing in Cuba is in debate. Also, that's not necessarily a a true fact. But even if it is, what's the point? The only point is he's got a ton of tapes out there of him praising Fidel Castro Mm -hmm. that you're going to hear about in the next several months. So he can't deny that he was ever praising Castro. So he's got to come up with some reason why he was praising him.